listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 103 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where the best Maryland moment since football, and football since 2001, has just occurred. Stefan Diggs gets a crazy touchdown because somebody didn't know how to use a protractor. Poor Saints safety, whose name I'm not remembering for his own benefit. Thomas, that, that's the best Maryland football moment since 2001, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, right up there with uh, Yannick Ngakwe's strip sack in the divisional round on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, don't, let's not um, go to the Jaguars' weeds here, please, please. For your own sake, and the sake of this podcast, let's not go into the weeds because then I'll spend a year talking yeah. about how amazing it is. So, so I have the... no part in unless it's just a Maryland guy. That's that's all it is. All I'm saying is the Vikings Jaguars matchup is going to be incredible. Anyway, can we um, not talk about that? Just yeah, yet? let's not. Let's, let's not. not do that for my let's own not. sanity. Let's not. It's it's probably going to be two weeks of talking about Nick Foles' cardiovascular endurance instead. Can he run two-minute drill? And his TB12 stuff. Of that thing, yeah. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so so that was – I was not watching it live. I was on DVR. I was out doing some stuff, and so I was watching it, you know, on DVR. I, I was completely caught off guard by it. Um, I'm on Twitter. And I was just I'm hoping – just... And it's the only time yeah. right now when I'm really on Twitter anymore is for big events. And yeah, and I was just hoping that someone had tweeted it from our account, and thankfully they did. Someone did, and they had they had something already written about it. And I was like, that was going to be the Maryland minute. We were like, I was like, you, actually, you teach these kids well, Thomas. I was like, actually, we could uh, we could run it now, and so we did. It was a little late. It was like well, at I nine o'clock, and the play happened at eight. How but can you ever write something about that quickly? Yeah, no, I think we waited for the Titanic tweet. Yeah, um, I think you have to. Cause after a that's the like best that, Titanic one I've ever seen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that's an overplayed joke, but that one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. I also have to say, it's the only time I'm ever on Twitter anymore is for big events. And when that happened, my timeline is half, holy crap, did that just happen, and half, he a terp. Which was yep. like, I follow the right people if that's what's going on there. And, and it was. And my favorite is the part of the timeline that a few minutes later goes, so the line was plus five and a half. That was me too, by the way. <laughs> that was me too. I, I mean, hello, the biggest and most important Maryland alum that isn't named Kevin Plank or Sergey Brin was tweeting about it probably. So we have to talk about it. Man, that was And you that was knew fun. it was going to happen. It was going to happen, yeah? I checked the line. I thought it was four, and it turned out to be five and a half. Even if it was four, it still would have been one of the greatest bad beats of all time. But, I mean, in, in college, that's a walk-off. And it should be in the playoffs, it should be a walk-off. But it wasn't here. I knew they were taking a knee. Really, so, in any setting, I don't know what the benefit is. For it, it, the That's a silly I rule. The reason why I talked about it is for point differentials in playoff scenarios. Because I've seen that happen before. And that's why they do it. But in the playoffs, there isn't any reason to do that. But that rule probably gets changed in the offseason after they had to make the Saints walk out. And I'm going to say this right now before we get on to Maryland topics. This the Saints sent the punter out. The Saints sent their the like banged-up punter, punter out. out. Yes. But Which this is, is the all-timer. Oh, that's, that's just so cruel. 
But this is the only thing I'm going to say about this until we get on to Maryland things, which are far more depressing than talking about Stefan Diggs and his miracle. But the Vikings skull chant was stolen from Iceland, which was stolen from the Seattle Sounders. I'm just saying it's not original, and I don't want to hear two weeks about that. Okay? I've seen that chant in soccer for years, way before Iceland even did it. So I'm just saying. I got that off my chest. I feel better about myself. How did you feel about the I believe that we will win chance in 2014? Even I bet worse, you hated them too. That yeah, those are even out. worse. That was yeah. played out then too. It's the same thing with Seven Nation Army. I believe got became the worst chant in the world. And then other places started doing it. And it was even worse. I'm, I, I don't want to get yeah. too far in the weeds in this stuff because we shouldn't. But they, Oh, you'd be happy to know. You'd be happy to know that Seven Nation Army is Maryland basketball's intro song still. Uh, anyway, well, it's a DC Baltimore sports thing. The Ravens do it and it's really annoying, but maybe they'll stop doing it after what happened to them. It makes sense like, to me when the Orioles do it because that they're, they're, they're like, yo, you know, that makes sense. But yeah, perhaps, 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 I guess. Okay. I, we were, we we're filibustering and talking about things that aren't Maryland related because most Maryland related stuff is depressing at this point. And, I, and we don't really want to talk about it, but we have to, because we're contractually obligated to. Uh, last night, that was a very, very weird game, and I'm amazed, honestly, that Maryland was in it at all, and we were going to have Lamar on this show, but he's still kind of recovering from saying that Maryland won when they didn't. That happens on Twitter often, and poor Lamar, he's dealt with it very well, but we're protecting him for his own sake, because I would make fun of him, even though I'm a Maryland fan, but getting back to the original point. That was a very bizarre game, and the fact by the end that Maryland was in it at all, considering what was going on and what was stacked against them, was a really good sign for me, even though they lost in the most heartbreaking fashion I've seen a Maryland team lose by in years. Yeah. Um, Mar- like To me, I think Maryland was almost consistent throughout the game, um, except for you know a couple stretches where Michigan hit every score. shot they took. Well, well. Well, Maryland just offensively was more or less consistent. Had a couple dry, dry spells. Happens. Michigan on offense, at least, was trash for an entire half, um, and then trash at the end of the half. And then, and then just had one stretch where they hit five straight threes. Well, yeah, and then Michigan was uh, yeah they hit seven three pointers in a row, including five on Which five is possessions. Statistically impossible. Mostly. And also the, that stretch is independent of their fourteen zero run that spanned around halftime so like the fact that that those two things happened in the same game and maryland still was up one with three and a half seconds left is wild on the road against a ranked team just that's that's weird and when maryland last two games against uh good teams on the road they it was over by halftime yeah yeah i mean it's weird looking at the big 10 right now i'll say this first is that there's four ranked teams in the big 10 Four. maryland has maryland yeah, probably the you know probably the four. They're not locks because things can happen, but close the four obvious tournament teams. Yeah, the 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 four really likely tournament teams in the conference. Maryland has has lost to all four of them, um, and has not lost to anyone else in the conference. Now, there's still games left against Michigan State at Purdue, against Michigan at home. Well, um, against Purdue, I'm chalking that one off. I'm chalking that yeah, one off. Probably, especially without Jackson. Yeah. Um, but and Michigan State is still Michigan State. But again, they they might need two wins against them. The 
the big thing that we've talked about before is that Maryland at home, it's a great equalizer. If that game is played at home, Maryland wins. We talked about it with Syracuse. If that game was at home, Maryland probably wins. And they just lost to Purdue at home. It wasn't as if they got blown out. In any other situation, they might have won that game. Xfinity Center is a great equalizer, and I know you need to win games on the road. You need to be decent teams in order to make the NCAA tournament. But the fact is that Maryland's biggest and most important games the rest of the way are at home. And that gives them an advantage, even with the short deck. And that's something that you shouldn't forget. Yeah, and at the same time, though, you know, losing both of those games, because that, that was a big thing that we talked about last week, was that these two games, you kind of, you really want to split. I think it's it's still a little early for me to care about, you know, tournament stuff, but it really hurts not having a win against either Ohio State or Michigan on the road. Of course, and I thought especially, that if they had beaten Michigan last night, it would have been a season-changing win. Well, especially because there's just such a razor-thin margin between Maryland getting its first road win over a ranked team against Mark Turgeon and having a really good you know, road win for this season mm-hmm. versus that loss. Maryland still doesn't have a road top 25 win over Mark Turgeon. They don't have a win over any of the top four teams in the conference, and they're three and four in the conference. This like the, the, the razor-thin line between those two things is why college basketball is so crazy and dumb and everything. Well, this is the craziest and dumbest year of them all. Yes, it's the which means it will absolutely basketball. end in another Villanova buzzer beater. Chris Jenkins is not around. I don't know who's going to hit it. No, 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 no. It will end with the Duke <laughs> national title and Grayson Allen holding up the trophy and everybody on the internet will get really mad. That's how it will end. Not, I mean, most of the years that happen like this, it ends with something crazier than that. Like, the years like this, Duke always ends up getting upset. Uh, well, normally they're just, oh, well, okay, fine. Was 2012 like that when they lost to some team that I can't remember? They lost to Mercer one time. They that's also like, lost to Lehigh. Years ago. No, that, they Duke also lost Lehigh to Lehigh. was 2012. Duke Lehigh was 2012. That's right. That, that was the year that I remember. And Missouri lost to Norfolk State that year, too. When they were How about Missouri? Uh, well, you know Missouri's, they, Missouri is just the weirdest sports school ever. I'm glad I didn't go there for J school. Didn't <laughs> yeah. Well, it, like well, Missouri, Missouri is like alter ego Maryland. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, because Ma- both Missouri and Maryland, honestly, are the schools that they're, they're the biggest school in the state. And the it's never surprising when they're good. And it's also never surprising when they're kind of irrelevant. And they both switched conferences. Yep. That's just so funny and strange. And they're both J schools. Anyway. Any, okay. So let's get back to this point about this game. Because the Ohio State game went as the Michigan State game went. And there's really no need to talk about it because it already happened. But this game was, I think, even more impressive from Maryland's perspective, even though they lost. Because Deion Wiley's still out with a concussion. And Bruno Fernando was sick. And he clearly wasn't, you know, dominant Bruno Fernando. And they still almost beat a ranked team on the road, even with all of that said. And, and Kevin Herter wasn't himself. Kevin Herter game. made one big shot the entire game. I think he might have had 10 points, and that was it. I mean, they were really important points, but, you know, that all of that was happening when Maryland was getting almost nothing from the shortest deck possible. And I understand that it was coming off Michigan winning a huge game on the road against their biggest rivals two days earlier, and Maryland had an advantage in that way. But... That was still a very impressive performance by a team with a short deck. And even though they lost in a stupid, stupid way, I can't really get all that mad at them for it. I'm kind of with you. Um, 
it, it's so easy to get mad at the last play. And yes, but the last know, play is every, independent of everything else. Yeah, I mean the fact that Maryland kept this game as close as it did. Because here's the thing: I mean Maryland was down ten late in the second Only half, like five minutes to go, and you know the, they have not been a team this year that's been able to claw back from deficits like that in that sort of span, but they did. And so there are other two examples. They were down by 10 and then it became 20 mm-hmm. before you, and it play. became 20 early in the second half. Um, you know, I guess Purdue, they were down a lot early and then they came back late in the in first half way, and then kept it close to every single shot they took. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. This has happened against Maryland this year. Like, even in, your, in their losses, you could argue, maybe Syracuse and St. Bonaventure accepted, that the teams they played had ridiculous, unnatural shooting luck in those games. And in two of them, Maryland still came close to winning. Yeah, and I don't remember how the Purdue game played out shooting-wise um, for the whole game, but I remember they were just on fire early. Yep. And it, it's, it's been weird to look at it now. Like, Maryland lost by three points to Purdue, who's now a top-five team. And they were top, like, they were number 10 or something in Ken Palm at the time. And people were calling for Turgeon's head after that one. People call for Mark Turgeon's head after every single loss. That happens with which is all the time. Which is unfortunate because the people that are more rational about it, and I think... Us. There is... Well, well, there there is an argument that his shortcomings as an in-game coach will keep Maryland from ever reaching its potential, even as it gets more talented players. There's an argument for that. And you could definitely see that argument based on past evidence, and I will not yes. disagree with that. But the people who say that are unfortunately undermined by other people who are just like, oh, he's a clown. Like, that doesn't matter. I don't think he has – like, I wouldn't hire him to be a clown. He hasn't been a clown. He's a basketball coach. This, this is true. This is very true. Good point. I never take those comments literally, but I also say with these discussions, and again, we don't want to get too far in the weeds, but who are you going to hire that's better than Mark Turgeon right now for this program and where it's at? I mean, all of their – I haven't gone through the list. I think they would. I mean, again, people would be like, ooh, hire Greg Marshall. Is he going to live Wichita State now? Uh, probably not. Marshall, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of the... What coaches could you... You want to hire Chris Mack from Xavier. Good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those coaches are so closely wed to their programs. I think you would want, you know, some up-and-coming type. And it's not obvious right now. But that's who Maryland There's just not an obvious guy right now. Because you can't really hire inside the Big Ten. You know, I mean, again, maybe like Chris Beard... But, I mean, that's still, like, a similar thing to what they did with Turgeon when he was really good at Texas A&M. You know, I, I can't see many situations. Again, this is in the weeds, and Mark Turgeon's not getting fired at this point, so let's not even bother with that. Even if they miss the tournament, he's not getting fired. So, in terms of these things, I think last night was a pretty good coaching job for all things considered. They played about as well as they could with the shortest deck I've ever seen a Maryland team have. Again, one of the key members of the rotation, whatever you think of Deion Wiley, didn't play. Bruno Fernando, who's one of their three most important players, was sick and could not play in the same way you'd want Bruno Fernando to play. You know, these are things that happened, and Maryland still almost beat a very good Michigan team on the road. Yep. 
I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in that first half, that was one of those like, well, how did Maryland play this good? And remember, what were some of the problems that Maryland teams had in the past? They couldn't rebound. They've been one of the best rebounding teams in the country this year, which is really funny considering they lost two of their most important forwards. Uh, they are still a streaky scoring team, but they still have a player in Anthony Cowan who does a lot of what Melo Trimble used to do, just make crazy shots out of nowhere, banking three-pointers at the end of a shot clock from the other side of the state of Michigan. You know, you still have players like Michael Tchaikovsky who had a really good start to the game last night when he needed to, and he did. And when is Joshua Tamayic, you know, a player like that coming in and playing important minutes and playing not terribly in those minutes? I think Mark Turgeon's a better coach than people give him credit for. He has obvious shortcomings, but then every coach has obvious shortcomings. And I think Turgeon's done about as good as he could do with the shortest deck he's ever had at Maryland. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I will probably reserve judgment on his overall coaching job this season until, you know, still play more games. But yeah, of course, yeah, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, he, he spread out his timeouts. You know, it, it was interesting when he called his final timeout with nearly two minutes left. But it um, worked. Yeah, it worked because Michigan called its timeouts. And there were there were always going to be stoppages in the last two minutes. So, you know, he did a lot of things right in that game. He, uh, I personally am very pro guard the inbounder on a full court play with three and a half seconds left. Um, Turgeon is not, which is defensible if you execute they didn't execute correctly that otherwise, play. and they didn't. And that's going to happen. It, Whole other teams it is easier. have plays that screw up like that. Yeah, well, I've the easier far thing more to do. just examples of screwing up inbound plays than that. Yeah, and that, to me, the thing is, it's harder to screw up that play if you are the inbounder, to me. And yes. so that was that was my real I entire view. Put it this way. The inbounder isn't going to get called for five seconds if – he's not being guarded but then again you can make the argument the other way that if you have all of the players locked up you know obviously instead of Mohamed Ali Abdul Rahman cutting right behind behind Anthony Cowan and he knew it at that point too I mean the likelihood of you getting called for five seconds while it doesn't seem like it'd be equal if you're guarding the inbounder or not to me it seems like it's fairly equal you know you can make arguments both ways and I think that we could we could see that, and we'll, we'll. I think that in that play, they they screwed up. And yes, of course, Michigan's going to draw up to the play to the guy who's a 92% free throw shooter. But again, in that instance, do you, you screw up? Yes, it happens. I, I'm not going to say that Mark Turgeon's the worst coach in the world because of that. But to me, you have to look holistically at an entire situation. And after they got blown out by Ohio State on the road, a game against a team that they should have played better in. Michigan State was defensible more than Ohio State was. They came back against Iowa and beat them at home pretty convincingly and then almost beat a ranked team on the road. They've rebounded well from these terrible performances on the road, and that to me is almost more important than the blowout itself. Yeah, I mean, because you don't want one loss to turn into multiple. Last year they did struggle with that, and they – they were flat yeah, for a couple games at the time. Losses to Minnesota and Iowa, where they came very close to one another. Speaking of Minnesota at home. Oh yes. So this is. Let's talk about the schedule going ahead for this team because it is very interesting now because the Big Ten is trash, pretty much. 
of the power six conferences, they're going to get the fewest teams in the tournament unless somebody goes on a crazy run. Uh, Maryland, Indiana, teams of this nature, yes? Uh, their next game is at home against a Minnesota team that is in total disarray at this point. But still has Jordan Murphy. Still has Jordan Murphy, yes, but Maryland still has Anthony Cowan and it hasn't changed a lot, let's be honest. So these are the kind of games at home now that Maryland has less margin for error in. You kind of have to beat this Minnesota team that's a dumpster fire at home. You have to beat a Northwestern team that's a dumpster fire at home. You have to beat those kind of teams. You don't have to necessarily do them convincingly, but you have to do them fairly well. And this is an important game because if Maryland does win this game, you can kind of get back on track and you can see that. But this is also a stretch in which Maryland is playing what? Four out of six games or five out of seven on the road? So that's hard for a team when they don't have the depth they need to have. Yes? Yeah, the January schedule for Maryland is you know it, a hilarious gauntlet just the way it it shaped out with the four best teams okay you know michigan ohio state, state being one of them two-day break yes then ohio state and michigan ohio state turned out to be a lot better than we thought home against minnesota and then at indiana where they never win at purdue which is crazy home against michigan state that's, that's it that's the month january yeah. By and then, any measure, there isn't a Rutgers who aren't a gimme anymore, let's be honest, or a Nebraska. There was only like one or two games in there, like Penn State and Iowa, but they're interspersed with a and bunch even of then, other ridiculous like Penn games. State is Penn State's talented and kept that game close. Yep. And Iowa kept it close for a while because Iowa has some shooters. Yes. So, I mean, like, just the way that it worked out, that January schedule ended up being incredible. And then the they have seven games in February – only the only ranked team in that is Michigan, is Michigan at home. And that's the last game. Now they got a home and home with Northwestern. And Northwestern's a tire fire. Who's talented but struggling. They're and bad. They're bad, you can say it. You don't have to be diplomatic here, Thomas. That's the thing is I don't want to say they're bad and then that backfires. That's the well, thing. Well, at this point I understand that, but I think it's proven now that Northwestern is bad. I think that wouldn't stop Maryland from losing to No, it wouldn't, because Maryland's <laughs> lost to bad teams before. But I'm not saying that they should win. I'm just saying that these teams are bad. Maryland beating them. It's entirely bad, reasonable, though, for Maryland to, like, exit um, January with, with – well, for Maryland to exit January, like, five and six, four and seven in the Big Ten and still finish with a winning conference record. Absolutely. Just and because of the way that the schedule works out. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. So – Minnesota on Thursday, very, very important game. I think it's as must-win as a must-win gets in January for this team. And also because of when the conference tournament is, it makes the schedule a little more compressed, and therefore these wins are more important. Indiana on the road is going to be a weird one because Maryland never wins at Assembly Hall. They never play well at Assembly Hall. But this isn't exactly Indiana teams of past years. They lost to some crap teams at home already this year. But that won't stop Maryland from losing to them. So uh, that's a very interesting game. And then at Purdue, good luck with that. I, I almost kind of want Maryland to punt that game to prepare for Michigan State at home. Michigan which... State's before Purdue. Oh, is it before Purdue? What's the game yeah. in between, or do they have a week off between Indiana and, and Michigan State? Uh, yeah, they have almost a week off. So the, having a week off between those two games and then getting students back in session, it, it makes that game very interesting. I don't care how much more talent Michigan State has at this point. That's the kind of game where Maryland is going to play incredibly well. That probably 
going on past evidence of Maryland teams could be their best game of the season because they always play well in those big home games. And with students in town for that game, Sunday afternoon when there's no football, that's a game that Maryland will play very well, and I tend to I am finding out today uh, that that may or may not be the flash mob game. Why wouldn't it be? What other big home game do they have? Precisely. So that's the game. Again, what happens when Maryland has to play these big home games? They don't often disappoint in them. That's just how it has gone for Maryland. Yeah, and the, the weird thing is the last the last two years, you know, the ones where I was on campus, you know, the flash mob was uh, didn't go well. Like the flash mob was right in the, like right before, right in the middle of a big run by the yeah, opposing I team. Yeah, I know. Was the twenty sixteen was Wisconsin. But but when they do the flash mob against the team that's like heavily favored and highly ranked, they'll win that game. And that's so gonna be Michigan the, State this year. So good move on them if that. Like I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that's how that's going. So um, then they have Purdue. You talk about the home and home with Northwestern. They should be favored in both of those games because Northwestern's not very good. Rutgers is not going to be easy. They played Michigan State better than Maryland did. Uh, Nebraska on the road. Maryland's been able to beat Nebraska before, except for last year. And then they end at Michigan. So uh, with Michigan at home. So I mean, there is still a legitimate scenario in which they end up ten and eight or eleven and seven in conference play, and that could still be good enough for like fifth. So, and again, their RPI is pretty good. They don't have any terrible losses on their resume. And if they get one or two decent wins and win one or two games in the conference tournament, then they could still easily sneak in as a lower seed. And at this point, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, doing the, yeah, yeah. No, I did the sign of the cross on that one. And, <laughs> and it, the, uh, can't see that. the podcast, podcast doesn't time. pick it up. And I, I just realized that like midway through and I'm like, how am I going to convey I'm doing the sign of the cross for this. David in the middle of this podcast, and not like you would have been able to see it anyway. Fair I mean, point. You, you can see a scenario in which they still make the tournament, and I know it's all doom and gloom right now, and it always is, but there is still a scenario in which they make the tournament, and at this point, making the tournament is as good as you can ask for from this season. That's, that's really all there is left to say. I don't yeah, think there's I mean, anything cause... else because of the injuries – and the illnesses, and everything else that has gone against them. Making the tournament out of this season would be an accomplishment. Yeah, because they made it three years in a row. You know, before this year, they lost Mello Trimble. They've got, you know, their best recruiting class in a long time coming in next year. Although it's now um, just down to 12th in the country, according to uh, 24-7. Yeah, and there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be more guys coming. Well, yeah, Probably one or two. We don't, I don't know how it shakes out how the Let's musical chairs goes briefly when when this conversation is over um but yeah i mean if you make the tournament this year that just keeps momentum going um and next you know, year program wise we figure, and even if you don't i think it's it's survivable because those guys are signed yeah early signing period and i think there's also the whole idea that i mean who could be coming back next year because of the situation that maryland finds itself in there's a chance that there is a really, really interesting team next year. We mentioned this before, you know. Yeah, I mean, Justin Jackson might come back, might not. I've been, I've heard, I've heard more people kind of in the know say that he isn't. Um, but I still think that what you, I mean, what he and Bruno Fernando should do is do, you know, try the draft without an agent. Yeah. And that, that's like really the only sensible thing to do. And. If one or both of them leaves and if one or both of them comes back, I, I think Maryland will be, you know, it changes the priority a little bit to, 
you definitely need one or two more big men in the class um, if you lose both of them. But otherwise, I think they'll they'll survive. Um, Anthony and so, looks so like it's he's just turning next year. So it's just you build that, yeah, you build that momentum. And like, if you remember Xavier last year, uh, was an 11 seed in the tournament, had a real talented team, had some injuries, fought his way back into the tournament, and well, Xavier made the elite eight. Xavier went to the elite eight. I'm not saying Maryland can make the Elite Eight with this team, but like, you know, and, and then Xavier kept the momentum right going right into this year has been, you know, was a top five team at one point. Yeah. Um, I think is like 15th right now, but what would you, what would this be? It, let me rephrase that. What would it say about Mark Turgeon? What would Maryland fans have to say if this team somehow made the Elite Eight? Just spitballing. Oh my God. Like I, <laughs> would we have to, I do not have enough people? of a basis. I think a few. I think I don't know. It would be. It would mostly be about the things. kids. It would mostly be like Anthony Cowan praise, and then uh, a few yes. people being like, "Well, Turgeon's doing really like like you know how Joe Flacco was really good in the playoffs that one time. Ah. So like he's having he's having a phenomenal tournament. He is still Joe Flacco. You sh- really shouldn't have given him hundred million dollars, but you know what? He, At that he, point, yeah. no one's thinking about that. <laughs> He won you a Super Bowl, Baltimore. It's more you can say than most teams in the NFL. Just anyway. saying. Okay, let's go to the women. And normally we turn to the women for escapism and uh, not not here. No. Thursday was no. terrible. Yeah, Thursday was like... <laughs> so, it was a Maryland football type day for basketball. Yeah, so at, like, at 6 o'clock, uh, Jairus Hamilton, who is you know a, a pretty... You know, a top seventy recruit or something, really good target would have would have been a great get. Commits to Boston College and losing a commit um, to Boston College is not something that Maryland things. fans are going to take lightly. I don't to. like. Depending on how some things go, he might not be completely off the board because he can't sign for a while. But that stings. And um, then at like seven, we find out Blair Watson is out for the season, and then from seven to nine, Maryland gets shellacked by Ohio State and from 8 to 10 Maryland women's basketball without Watson loses to Michigan State that was just the evening I I was calling another uh, D3 games in which both of the teams that I was calling won so it was good it was good for me but not for Maryland yeah um and and without Blair Watson I I really don't know because the first game without Watson they lose their first Big Ten game to a team that's not Ohio State ever that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's their fourth year in the conference. And that says both how badly they've matched up with Ohio State and how well, you know, matched up with how, how, how head teams. and shoulders, how head and shoulders they've been above the rest of the conference. Like, you know, Michigan's good this year. Iowa's good this year. Rutgers is pretty good. Um, Purdue and Michigan State are getting votes right now. But like. This is still, still it was a it was a big surprise to lose by fourteen at home. But I think and... you could also argue the same thing that we've talked about with football before. When you have a big injury like that, and it's an ACL, the Maryland debilitating injury of choice, uh, you sometimes don't recover from that immediately. And yeah, and I think they, I guess from the score, the women played like that. They just did not recover from losing a key contributor when you're already a team that's. 10 deep at the most and is now nine deep again. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, Azer Allison hasn't played, like, high leverage minutes all year. So that that puts you right down to eight, and that's the same problem as the men's team. Yep. So, you know, they they have a game tonight that uh, I'll, I'll actually be heading to. That's why we're doing this podcast in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, they play Indiana, who's 1-5 in the conference. Has some players who can heat up but haven't played well against Maryland uh, when they've met in the past. Um, and then... Ohio State is next week. And is that at a home or on the road? That is a home game at the exact same time as the men's game against Indiana. Oh, oh that's interesting. So what will you be watching? Will you be watching the men or the women? I I'll will be double screening personally. Based on what goes on afterwards. Well, since I am one of the men's basketball beat reporters this semester, um, probably going to be doing that, but I will definitely, definitely You'll have. You'll have the other game on TV. Yeah, so I'll be flipping. Yeah, it'll be one of those interesting nights. That's next Monday. Uh, boy, I, I will not like any more sports depression if so certain something happens on Sunday afterwards. But let's not talk about that for now. Uh, you, you don't care about those things at the moment. Uh, but there's a good chance that at least some Maryland football alum is going to be in the Super Bowl. The only way yeah. it wouldn't happen – wait. Well, well, it's a 100% chance the... because either yeah, cause either Torrey Smith or Stephon Diggs is going to the Super Bowl. You're correct, yes. One of them will be on. It's less fun because Tory Smith is, A, well gone from Maryland. But he's, and, still, well, but he's like, still very vocally Maryland. Yeah, still very vocally Maryland. And he's won a Super Bowl before. Yeah. So it's like a little bit less fun. You know, I was not a Maryland fan when Tory Smith was there. I wasn't even really a Maryland fan when Diggs was playing. Oh, I was. Because like, I came in the year I came the year after. I was. Uh, but yeah, no, for everyone was. Who, who was around for Diggs, you know, to see him – do it. it like it's oh, it's really been something do to behold like that's the thing like we all knew he was going to uh, i can still remember the jaguars taking rashad green over stefan diggs in the fifth round in that draft i'm sorry for going in the weeds sorry and for me and for me the you know the first season that i followed was the one where ngakwe was put it was having this phenomenal season on that team and the first well that was maryland last year foot, too, when the first maryland the football First Maryland football media event I did was the was his pro day, and you know so I, I I came out of that thinking I will be not surprised at all if he is a good pro. I was not expecting what he's done, like he had, and, and you saw it again this weekend. And you Matt have seen it for two years. Yes, I have. I mean he's he's made he he's played like a first rounder sack record last year. And then got that better. Couldn't rush the pass rush forever, and has been looking for a pass rusher since Tony Bracken. I'm sorry, I'm going in the weed about the Jaguars, but this is important for this Maryland discussion. Yes, and he got better this year on a team that had a thousand pass rushers. He was so good, and we said that when he was the guy for Maryland, one of the only things they could do well for many years was rush the passer, and that's exactly what they've done. And Ngakwe just translated that really well in a team that had mismatched ends and all sorts of weird defensive wonkiness, he just went straight up, rushed the passer, and got after people. And he does that a lot. And he did that now for two years, and he's going to be doing it in the AFC Championship game. And if he sacks Tom Brady, take a oh, look at the Twitter, Twitter timeline here over here. Take a look at the Twitter we'll, timeline. That's SBS Music's once. You'll, you'll know about it. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for a Maryland player to be on the Jaguars, and I didn't care if they did well. Just one. That wasn't a freaking punter. The last time Maryland played the Patriots in the playoffs, the Jaguars had a punter from Maryland on the team, Adam Podlish. So there's that. Uh, 
But now, uh, it's different when you have a defensive end that gets sacks for fun. So, that, that will be very interesting. And, and you know what? I mean, for all of the struggles that Maryland football has on the field, to see players who are Maryland alums doing well elsewhere, pretty good deal. Like, I, I, you, you, not just the Maryland media. AJ Francis is tweeting about it. I'm pretty sure other Maryland alums are probably doing the same. Although Darius Hayward Bay probably wasn't after Sunday. Uh, nor was Sean Davis. Nor was Sean Davis. Boy, he the got poor man. A couple of times. The poor man. Like, he's he's, he's had to he's had to deal with. I mean, he, he got torched by Gronkowski. He's gotten bulldozed by Leonard Ford. Like, he's just good enough to get in position to be bulldozed by people. Or or and, or get beat by a fullback on a play action touchdown. Well, yes. I, I, I'm sorry, Sean Davis, but uh, for this instance, this instance only, <laughs> I wanted you to not do well because it was good for the team that I've liked since I was a child. And you can understand how I'm feeling right now and how many people are saying, you're really a Jaguars fan? I'm like, yes, I've been a Jaguars fan for a very long time. So this is still remarkably amazing that this is happening in my life. And we will be able to write about some Maryland player in the Super Bowl, which will be very good. And, I mean, if it's Stephon Diggs, can, can, you imagine, yeah. can you imagine, well, first, A, if it happens, and then, B, I mean, you go back and look at what he did at Maryland with nothing. And even to a lesser extent, Yannick Ngakwe, what he did with nothing. And Sean Davis, what he did with just about nothing. I mean, I, I joked about it, and then there was somebody who responded to me what I basically said I joked that Randy Edson should have been charged with a felony for the careers of players he stole when he was at Maryland because there is no denying that Maryland was not as good of a team as they should have been with all of that talent right there's no doubt about that absolutely correct so I get this tweet from somebody I will not mention their name and I don't normally like doing this on the show but I'm doing it here when I said that Randy Edsel should seriously be indicted for a felony for those years of talented players he stole from us and this person said, Yannick broke the single-season sack record. Steph was injured constantly and had one season with a linebacker throwing the ball, and they went to back-to-back bold games. And still, when you have players who are playing at this high a level and they go to back-to-back bowl games and then lose them very badly, you know. Yeah, I mean, I the, the to say team that winning more yeah, than didn't seven surround games those talented nice? players with a good enough team. Yeah, that, that, that's on Randy Edsel. I mean, the quarterback stuff was one thing, but a talented team, those, uh, those years that we're talking about in 2013 and 2014, when they didn't do nearly as much as they should have done, to say that they underachieved is, yes, they did. There is no denying that. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going, uh, Randy Edsel was a bad football coach. That's one thing that you can get all Maryland fans to agree on, is that Randy Edsel was a bad football coach. But anyway, again, in the weeds. Sorry. These things happen when we go off on our little tangents. But big games are coming, as we say. Women's basketball coming up on Thursday. Jeez. Maryland playing Minnesota. Hope you like Gus calling Maryland basketball. You'll probably get more of it in the future. Eh, I could take it or leave it. At this point, Gus has called two Maryland games that they've lost, so I want to go back to announcers that call games when Maryland wins. Please. I'm superstitious yep. in that way. So, I, I can't ask for much more. Anyway, we will uh, 
see you very soon. Hopefully there is much more happiness in Maryland sports next week when we do this podcast again. But something tells me it's Maryland. There's probably going to be something else that's crushing and stupid that makes us all very sad. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's Maryland sports. It's just how it is. And the football signing period, with the final signing day, that's in like, what, two weeks? Uh, two or three, I think. It's not that far away. No, we haven't heard a ton. It's mostly, you know, currently like kind of coaching shuffles. And then there's still some recruiting news out there. But because of Maryland being mostly set and having most of its class sign early, um, I don't think we'll hear too much about it until right before that signing period. Mm-hmm. we got to keep our eyes on it, though, because there is a chance that, of course, something could happen. And at least the coaching stuff has settled down. Have we got any more clarity on any of that? Um, a little bit, uh, but not too much. It'll have to play out at some point, so we shall see. Anyway, In its I- current form, it all makes sense, although I don't feel like this is the final form. It's, it's just my Somehow gut. Somehow I agree with you. Somehow I agree with you. But it will play itself out, and when it does, you will see it on Testudo Times, of course. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you can get over the loss, you can. Maryland, you've watched linebackers play a quarterback for Maryland and walk-ons play a quarterback, and you've watched far worse players take the court for Maryland in basketball. So don't, don't worry. This, this can be overcome. And remember, there is still Anthony Cowan and Bruno Fernando, and he was sick against Michigan. So when he's healthy, he will go back to taking lives again. Remember, that can still happen. If he takes the life of Jordan Murphy on Thursday night. I will catch fire. Shut the internet down. I will close my laptop and catch fire. No, you're going to drop your laptop like you dropped the mic. No, it's, I wouldn't do that to my laptop. That's true. It's valuable. But somebody will, well, Xfinity Center will go a little bit nuts. I don't think this, are the students back in yet or is that next week? Uh, that is classes start on the 24th. Oh, geez. So it's still eight days. My God. Maryland is so weird that way. Uh, they'll be in school for Michigan State. That's all that matters. Anyway, we will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, go Terps.